Welcome to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg is not here again this week, so you're starting with me, crusty old John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com, trying to be, uh, you know, uplifting, trying to be energetic, trying to get through this pandemic without bad things happening until it's over or something. I'm joined by Todd Wolverton who's uh, less of a commie pinko this week than he was last, but probably still has those tendencies. How you doing, Todd? John, I'm just doing wonderful, wonderful. And did you know the pandemic's over in Texas? It's over. So if you want to go to wherever there's no more pandemic, go to Texas. You know, I've lived in Texas a few times. Uh, yeah, I know you lived in Texas a few times. <laughs> There's a certain appreciation I have for Texas. I mean, the beautiful part about Texas is uh, you can make best friends with somebody immediately. I mean, like share a beer, your best buddies, and then 20 years later, that fucker will shoot you to death during a card game. Because that's <laughs> Texas, man. That's how it is. They just, you know, they're just like, they, they, one of the hardest things I, I had to learn when I moved to Minnesota after living in Nebraska and Texas was that everybody up here plans everything incessantly. Right down in Texas and kind of in Nebraska, but not as much as Texas because they're woo Texas. Uh, you could just go, hey, let's have a barbecue. And people would show up and they go, oh, no, we're having a barbecue and bring beer and meat and grill it. And you know what I mean? In Minnesota, you can never do that unless you have a bunch of out of state friends because they have to plan things for, well, for a lifetime, actually. They're very <laughs> anal retentive people that are stuck in their ways. They all, have their lives planned out ahead of time and uh, you can't just show up and have a party and uh, become friends with people immediately. It's, it's really just two different worlds. So I, you know, they could end the pandemic today and tomorrow to be on again. There and you this go. is just how they do it. That's how they do it. You're right. Well, John, you better, you better introduce our other host here. He's uh, I think he's the president of your fan club. I see that he's got your picture on the front of uh, his t-shirt tonight. He does. And you know what? I bet I don't even get paid for that. (laughs) Dylan Gunter, our wrestling correspondent, all the way from Beirut. How you doing? Good, man. I like that opening statement. That was very dude of you. (laughs) Is the pandemic over for you? Um, It's not. I don't live in Texas, so... I guess that, you know you that's very go there. You can just go there right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I would love to go to Texas since the you know coronavirus is gone there. So, well, maybe we should all nice. you know the baseball teams playing there this weekend. It's true. Yeah, which really kind of you know they're going to play up at U.S. Bank the week after that. And I hope to God they don't get te- go to Texas and catch some strain of coronavirus that isn't known yet it's the texas coronavirus they they do they do have all the strains man so (laughs) okay so if dylan and todd are together it's clear we're going to talk about wrestling and todd i'm just i'm honestly i'm i'm gonna let you take over because I am I'm interested in wrestling and I enjoy wrestling, but I don't know much about it. Well, let's have, uh, you know, Dylan's the 
correspondent for coordination and he pays uh, real close attention to what's going on with the sport. And so, you know, I think it'd be appropriate for Dylan to start out and kind of give a little bit of a wrap up to the season, you know, the regular season and, you know, where the team's at right now. And, and uh, we have the big 12, big 12, oh, big 10 tournament coming up this weekend. And he and I can talk a little bit about that, but uh, Dylan, let's uh, kind of bring us up to date on yeah. the Nebraska Cornhusker wrestling team. All right, yeah. Um, so this year, Nebraska went seven and one. Um, they're ranked number eight, so they're the fourth team in the Big Ten. Um, they're probably, I think, they're one of just a handful of teams in the Big Ten that even got close to wrestling all their matches. A lot of matches were canceled due to COVID. Um, but Nebraska has a really solid team. You know, they got a lot of guys with. One seed, two seed, four seed, sixes. So they've put themselves in a good spot right now as far as Big Ten tournament coming up to place a lot of guys. Um, there's been a bit of roster moves, too, that we'll probably talk about, I'm sure. A um, couple guys in there that weren't in there all year, and it's kind of been a juggling process. Um, yesterday, I was on the press conference with coach Manning and Eric Schultz. And I kind of talked to him about some of that stuff. So I'll bring that up as we go along, but um, all in all, yeah, Nebraska, you know, their only loss this year was to number one, Iowa. And uh, we talked extensively before about that. So <laughs> that's just, that's just something that Iowa's going to do to everybody right, right now. So. Hey, maybe this episode, Todd, you couldn't just like get on your knees for Iowa this time, huh? I'll stay off of them. I will okay, stay that's off. good. I will maybe stay insult off. Iowa once in a while. That'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, you want me to? Hey, I got one for you. I got one for you later. Okay. Well, no. Uh, <laughs> but I actually, I talked to I talked to Manning and about the fact that you know a lot of these teams have missed a lot of duels due to the COVID. And Nebraska has been pretty lucky. We've gotten all of our duels in except one. Um, you know, like, for instance, Iowa hasn't wrestled in almost a month. Yeah. So it's – there you go, John. There's your – That's because they're pansies. There's, there's your, they're avoiding there's, the competition. There's they're your sliver of hope, John. <laughs> sliver of hope, man. Iowa might be rusty. They might not be able to do back-to-back -back matches. I don't know. They might come and play. Dylan, I think you're making a good point there, though, because, you know, at least in the sport of wrestling, you know, they want to be peaking. And, you know, right. when Iowa, I mean, they shut the program down for two weeks and guys couldn't even be in the, in the wrestling room. And uh, right. in, in uh, a recent interview, they were talking about how these guys are going out there in that negative 15 all bundled up, just running and that type of thing. So um, I think, I think that the, the teams that, wrestled more are at an advantage you know going into this tournament yeah because you think about it most years these guys have 20 matches going in you know 20 plus and this year if you've got seven it's a lot so really like we really don't know what's going to happen you could easily see a six eight nine seed go on into the finals and it wouldn't really surprise me to be honest well, I think, you know, uh, before we kind of look at each one of the weights on paper, and, you know, that's just basically what we're kind of doing here is on paper. Right. On paper, Iowa is the prohibitive favorite. Um, they have 
four number one ranked wrestler, number one seated wrestlers. They right. have three guys that are seated number two, and they've got two guys that are seated number three. Um, no one else can match that. And then yeah. you probably look at Michigan, Penn State, and Nebraska, as you said, you know, they're, they're ranked eighth. They're kind right. of the fourth Big Ten team. But, you know, do you see, you know, when the dust all clears, and you're right, I, I believe there's going to be a lot of it's, – it's unpredictable. But do you see it following kind of that way, Iowa, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska? Or do you think Nebraska can squeak in there, you know, higher than fourth place? Actually, I was looking at that all today, and, you know, last year Nebraska got second, and they got second by a pretty healthy margin, and just a lot of guys get – I think we had five guys get third place. So, you know, those team points add up a lot. We didn't have a single champion, and we got second place running away, and Iowa beat us by 30. So, um, this year, obviously, I think it's going to be Iowa's in its own tier. But I think Nebraska-Penn State – is really tier two. And I think Michigan's kind of below that. Like as far as, um, you know, strength of your entire team, um, you know, we, we might not have the, you know, seven guys seated first or second, but Nebraska has a really, really solid lineup. And like we've talked about, like in past years, we would definitely be in the hunt to win, but this is just like, this is just a generational team for Iowa and like, you know, that is what it is, but uh, Nebraska has every shot to get second place. I think we, I think they got a really good shot at beating Penn State. But yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, I think are fall a little bit below that. So, okay, so one one of the higher ranked Nebraska wrestlers is the little guy that opens up at 125 pounds, Liam Cronin. Why don't you Why don't you preview 125 pounds for us, and what do you What do you think about Liam? Okay, um, Cronin got the number two seed, which, you know, going into the season, I never, ever would have predicted that. Um, he's 7-1. and one. He's beaten a bunch of ranked guys. The only guy he's lost to is Spencer Lee, which Spencer Lee is almost like a microcosm of the Iowa team right now, where he's just so – like, he's just – it's really 125 at Big Tens and in the NCAAs is really just Spencer Lee is going to win and who gets second, you know, where the guy's just that dominant. He He's pinned all four people he's wrestled this year. He pinned Liam Cronin in like a minute and a half. Um, so I don't see – but other than that, I, I really see Liam Cronin making it to the final. I mean, I, I see him getting his second shot at Spencer Lee this year, but – I don't think it will go well, but that'll be a lot of, you know, that'll be good for team points for Nebraska to get a guy into a final. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you there. You know, Spencer Lee, he was the Hodge winner last year, the Sullivan winner um, for the outstanding amateur athlete in the United States last year. He's at a level above everybody else. Um, right. But I, I agree with you. I think, I think Liam Cronin, um, I think he's, he's wrestled well this year and, and, um, I think he's got a, an excellent chance to be on. Uh, I don't know that he can beat Spencer Lee. I'm not going to go that far, but uh, I don't think he – it's not going to happen. But he can be on that number two step, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to beat Spencer Lee. I think, honestly, by the time that guy's gone, he might be poss arguably the best 125-er ever. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, no doubt. So, well, at 133, um, that's a weight class for Nebraska that – 
saw a couple of different guys in and out of the lineup um, this year. Alex Thompson started the season there and uh, down, you know, the second part of the season um, and going into the Big Ten tournament, uh, we got Tucker Shomley. And I, I hope I'm not butchering that name too bad. Um, I think you're good. He's uh, in the pre-seeds. They had him at 11. Um, you know, he, he hasn't been on the mat as much as some of the other wrestlers out there. Um, but he's, you know what, I've only seen him wrestle once. And what stood out to me about him is he's a gamer. I mean, you know, he, he, he doesn't back down to anyone and, uh, he comes, he comes off the mark, at, you know, on the first whistle, and um, he he wants to turn it into a into a fight. I mean, you know, he's a scrapper, and and so who knows? You know, 133. Uh, your top seeded guy is Roman Bravo Young from Penn State, and Austin DeSanto is ranked number two, um, or seated number two. But in my opinion, I'm kind of like 125. I think it's wide open. I think those two guys are prohibitive favorites, but this is a chance for Nebraska to maybe score some points that on paper, it might not look like they're there, but I think, I think there's a chance. here. Yeah, I definitely think he could, he, he, he can definitely outperform his seed. And I think Nebraska would be, would benefit a lot from that. I mean, like you said, uh, those two top guys are going to be tough to take down at 133. But, you know, like Manning told me yesterday, um, a lot of the, po- you know, a lot of team points are determined in the wrestlebacks. Yep. So um, it's going to be important for a guy like Shomling, you know, as an 11 seed, a lot of times those guys get dinged early and then they have to wrestle their way back. And if you can get a couple wins, maybe a major decision, you can get some extra points for your team. That's important. And if you can, you know, if he can come and finish eighth, ninth, then like he outperformed his seed and he did his job. Yeah. Well, 141 could be, arguably could be the deepest weight class. I mean, there's a couple others that um, are pretty solid, but uh, you got 141 and we have uh, Nebraska's got a, a I think a three-time national qualifier, Chad Red. He's an All-American, and he's going to be seated number four. So, talk to us just a little bit about about Chad Red and how you see things working out at 141. Okay, um, yeah, Chad Red has finished second before at the Big Tens. Last year, he finished third, um, so he's been there, and it's pretty widely known that you know March Chad or. Uh, Chad Red is different than in the season. Chad Red, for whatever reason, he always turns it on in the Big Tens, NCAA's. So he's not a guy that I'd be happy about seeing in my road towards the final. You know, um, I mean, obviously those he's seated number four. I mean, this just shows how good this bracket is. Is he's seated number four? He's eight and one, and his only loss is to the number one guy in the country. Yeah. And it was like an 8-4, I think it was an 8-4 decision. So it wasn't even like a, you know, he didn't get decked. So, I mean, those quarterfinals, man, are going to be fire. I yeah, mean, I would... you're going to see Chad go against number one, Jaden Ironman, Iowa again. But the other quarterfinal is Nick Lee. Probably, I mean, obviously they have to get there, but you expect it to be Nick Lee and Sebastian Rivera. And Sebastian Rivera won a Big Ten title beating Spencer Lee, 
at 125 two years ago. And then last year he moved up to 33 and he won a big 10 title there. And now he's moving up to 41 and he's going to go for another big 10 title at a third weight class. So yeah, like really like, yeah, this is, this is one of the toughest brackets that you could really put together. Well, Chad Red was ahead of Jaden Ironman and uh, it took uh, a rally by Ironman late in the match, uh, you know, to, to beat Chad Red. Uh, yeah, because he scored on him pretty quick. Yes, he did. He went right out and took him down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and, and rode him pretty tough. Um, yeah. So I would agree with you. You know, and Seabass, uh, Sebastian Rivera, you know, he's, he's in my opinion, he's kind of the wild card at that weight. And who knows what's going to happen with him. And he hasn't wrestled for a couple weeks, too. Right, right. The record's been out of, out of commission, so I was kind of hoping to see, you know, kind of him to get a few more matches in there. But um, it's – yeah, he's going to – yeah, he's totally a wild card. I mean, you could have made the argument that he should have been the one seed with – Okay, sorry, sorry, Spear. Sorry, that was my daughter coming in here. Okay. So, um, but, yeah, you could – I could totally see Sebastian Rivera being anywhere from one seed to four seed, and you could yeah. legitimately argue the why, you know, so – 149. I think this is one of the most interesting weight classes. Right. And, and I think from top to bottom, 149 may end up being, you know, you talked about maybe seeing a six, seven, eight seed get into the finals. Uh, you know, you look at the top seed is Sammy Sasso from right. um, Ohio State. And, and yes, absolutely. And, but you know what? He is so funky and so goofy um, that sometimes he gets himself in situations where he it appears he's got a lot of control right. and then crazy things happen. So I guess I think, and, and, you know, you'd predicted that Ridge Lovett would find his way into the lineup um, at some point. And, and right. he's in there at 149. He's wrestled the last few duels there. He's an incredibly tough wrestler on top. And exactly. some of these guys haven't seen him. So, yeah. you know, he's coming in at, you know, the number seven. Um, and outside, you know, Max Mirren from Iowa is seated number two, legitimately. But mm -hmm. um, I think Ridge Lovett, he's, he's going to outperform his seat. He's one at will. And, you know, he might be the one that they're talking about, you know, uh, on Sunday afternoon that, um, right. you know, knocked off some names and, and uh, uh, you know, and ended up being one of the Cinderella stories of this tournament. That That's my opinion. Yeah, I think he'll look that way to the outside, you know, the outside world. I've been a big fan of Ridge Lovett for a couple years. Um, that kid coming out of high school was incredible. Um, I actually talked to Manning about him yesterday. He dropped down to 133. He said it was an incredibly tough weight cut for him. Um, he moved up to 41. I mean, th this last, okay, sorry. There you go. Um, he moved up to 41. Obviously he couldn't get past Chad red. He kind of sat there behind him. Um, now he's at 49 and coach Manning was like, it ain't like this dude's moving up to weight classes and he's going to be small. He's like, he's a legit 149 pounder. I mean, he won, he won the junior national championship in freestyle this fall. Um, 
the dude's a stud and everybody at 33 last year knew it. And when they got it, like, you know, at the beginning of the period when they got to choke, got to choose top or bottom or whatever, instead of choosing bottom and trying to get that escape point, they went neutral with him because they knew they weren't going to get up. Well, I can tell you, Ridge Lovett is, he's my favorite Nebraska wrestler now. I mean, I loved watching him last year and, and I like his style. Um, yeah. And, uh, so, you know, if I, if somebody had to say, Todd, pick your favorite Cornhusker wrestler, it is Ridge Lovett. And I'm glad to see him in the lineup. Um, yeah. and, and good things hopefully are going to happen. Um, the next one in the lineup is up at uh, 157 pounds. Um, we got a Nebraska, uh, high school graduate that has wrestled at 157 all year. What can you tell us about Caleb Licking? I think he's from Norfolk as a matter of fact. Yep, Caleb Looking's uh, from Norfolk. He's about that's about a forty-five minutes to hour away from Columbus, where I'm at. Um, yeah, he's three and four on the year. He's a senior. Um, he's had some obviously, you know, obviously you're three and four. He's had some up ups and downs, um, but he's got some pretty decent wins. Um, he's just it's the Big Ten, man. And if you're not, you know, if you're not a top shelf talent, you you struggle and he's got a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys in that weight class um, that make that thing pretty stacked. I mean, uh, Caleb Young from Iowa, you know, that was a tough one. Uh, Ryan Deacon from Northwestern came back. He's the number one in the weight class. He, he's kind of like Spencer Lee in this class where mm-hmm. it's kind of Ryan Deacon. And then who wants to maybe finish second? Cause his, one of his last matches out, I think he tech falled like Brayton Lee from Minnesota, I think. And Brayton Lee is a beast and he couldn't, he couldn't do anything. I was watching that and it would just look like, it looked like he was wrestling a high school kid, man. Um, he, I think he's going to go on to do a lot of really good things after college too, internationally. Yeah. um, But as far, as far as Caleb looking goes, he's a 10 seed. Um, he's another guy kind of like Tucker Shomling where, you know, coming through the wrestlebacks is going to be really important. Um, he's a really another guy that's hard nosed. Um, I've seen a lot of, you know, you see a lot of the matches with these guys going against top flight talent, top flight guys. And, you know, you have to give them credit. They are not backing down. You know, they might be trailing or losing, you know, losing big and they're still getting after it. And, you know, he's from Norfolk. He's a tough kid. So, you know, he's, I think he's done a good job filling that spot because they just – it was kind of a position this year where we don't really have a lot of options. And they decided to move Peyton Robb up to 65. So, Caleb looking, uh, you know, the senior that's been in the room, putting in the work, practicing with the guys, um, I think he earned that spot. And I'm, I'm actually excited to see what he can do. I'm expecting him to maybe upset somebody. I think it would be a wonderful cap to his career if he were to, to place in the top eight, if he were to get a medal and be able to stand on the, on the, the award stand, um, you know, um, because he's put in the time. And, and he's getting NCAA seed would be cool too, you know? Yeah, that's true. Because I think, what is it? They get, the 157 gets seven automatic qualifiers. So if he gets yeah. top seven, then he's going to NCAAs. And I think, I think he could, get into that seven. I think it'll be tough. He's going to have to make, you know, he's going to have to beat one or two guys that 
he, you know, he's not favored against. So, right. Right. But I think he can do it. Up at 165. Um, you've already mentioned his name, Peyton Robb. Um, the top seed at 165 is the bull Alex Marinelli from Iowa. Um, Peyton Robb is the number seven. Uh, this is all I, I can wrap this one up real quick. Peyton Robb won't back down to anybody, and he is a big move wrestler. And in a tournament like the Big Ten, um, a guy that can, the, a guy that has big moves, a guy that can toss somebody right to their back, you know, um, can can uh, open a lot of eyes and can advance in the tournament uh, pretty easy. Um, I think Peyton Rob will wrestle above his seed as well. Um, I, you know, uh, I don't think that he can match up to Marinelli because um, Marinelli, he can wrestle that way too. You know, we saw that with his right. battles against Vincenzo Joseph. Uh, but uh, I think Peyton Robb can wrestle with anybody else in that weight class. And um, it would not surprise me because um, the seventh seed will be on the bottom half of the bracket. It would not surprise me if Peyton Robb can uh, bump off a couple of those guys seated above him and find his way to the finals. That would not surprise me. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That wouldn't surprise me, especially like you said, he'll be, you know, he's going to be on the opposite side of the bracket as, uh, uh, as, the, as Marinelli. So he'll, you know, he ain't going to have to hit with him until if, if he makes the finals. Um, but you were talking about that. That's actually, he lost to Marinelli 9-3 and it's the worst loss of his career. Like, I went and looked. I went and looked back, and I think, other than that match, his worst loss is three points. Wow! His entire career, like last year, all of his he lost like six or seven matches against ranked guys, but they were all one point, two point, one point, one point, two point. And even this year, I think. Let me see. His last match, he lost to Dan Bronigal, yeah. uh, who's undefeated. He's number two seed. He lost nine to six. So it's not like he's in every match. He's in every single match he's wrestled as a collegiate, except for that match against Marinelli, and he was kind of in that anyway. Yeah, he was so, kind of in that until late. Yeah, so really, I don't look at him ever taking the mat and say, oh, he, there's no way. There's right. no way he could beat this guy. Um, I think he's got every chance in the world. Like you said, he likes to go big, too. He likes to throw guys. He likes to, you know, he gets a lot of near fall and big, you know, big point combinations. So like if he can, you know, if he can throw Marinelli or whatever, like it's, that's open. That's an open match. Then it's, that's a big lead. And he has a really good style as far as kind of staving off somebody else's offense. So um, I, yeah, I absolutely think he's going to finish better than seventh. Um, Last year, I think he was seated. I want to say eighth, but he ended up finishing third. Yeah. So, and that was as a freshman. So yeah, absolutely. He's going to, I look at him and it's probably finishing in the top four, I think easily. Well, 174, we have perhaps in my opinion, well, not perhaps in my opinion, the most exciting Nebraska wrestler of this season match in match out. We've got Mikey Labriola and he's coming in seated number two. 
Uh, number one seed is Michael Kemmer from uh, Iowa. Talk to us a little bit uh, about how you see this all playing out at 174, Dylan. Okay. Uh, yeah, Mikey Labriolo is 8 0. Um, he only has one win over a ranked opponent. It was uh, DJ Washington of Indiana. Um, he beat him pretty good until he was beating him pretty good until Washington kind of scored on him late. Um, Labriola ended up winning 13, seven, but then again, you can't, you know, you can't control who you're facing. So he's done his job. He's beat everybody. I actually think that he should be seated number one. And I'm going to tell you why, because the number one seed, Michael Kemmerer did not wrestle when Nebraska wrestled against Iowa and Mikey Labriola did. Kemmerer was not hurt. It was not a situation. Dylan, we've lost you. Did you hit your mute? I just think Labriola made the walk to the mat and Kemmerer didn't. So why is he number two? Why is he number two? Yeah, well. Uh -huh. <laughs> because the Big Ten has it out for Nebraska, <laughs> right? Well, it's it's arguable, and and uh, you know, Cameron yeah. um, is a returning All American. Um, yeah, you know they'll settle it because I think those two guys. Oh, are Labriola, gonna... though, he's an All American. I mean, but I mean, I can also see it. Labriola got beat by Cameron last time they wrestled. It was only three two though, and it was last year. And like this is the seed for this year, I thought. True. So, I don't know. I I understand it, but I don't understand it at the same time. But either way, I mean, both guys get a buy, and it's splitting hairs really one and two. Because looking at the and looking at the rest of the bracket, I mean, you're basically trying to figure out if you want to take on Michigan's Logan Massa, who you know, is a senior that took an Olympic red shirt last year. He's a stud and Penn state's Carter Siraki, who is a freshman who is beating top five guys left and right. So like, it's not like you get a lot easier road as a one seed as a two seed. So that's very true. We'll see what happens, but yeah. I like the way I like, I like the way Labriola is wrestling. Like you said, he's so, he's so exciting to watch. He, he's kind of like, Peyton Rob, but with more juice in him. Yeah. You know, he's all, he's always going forward, always after you trying to throw guys, trying to take you down. It's nonstop. And that can wear a lot of guys out, especially during a tournament. So um, I look for him, honestly, making the finals and getting his shot at uh, Kemmerer this year. I agree. I think that those two guys will match up there. 184 is uh, an interesting weight class with uh, not a, you know, un uncharacteristically, not a whole lot of Big Ten power. Uh, the number one ranked wrestler, Aaron Brooks from Penn State, obviously is from the Big Ten. But uh, the rest of the, the rankings are relatively low in this weight class. And then that puts Taylor Venz in at the number six. And um, Taylor Venz in... February, March is not the same Taylor Vins that we saw at the beginning of the year. Thank goodness. He got <laughs> off to a very slow start. It almost looked, in my opinion, 
that, um, you know, his head wasn't on right. And I'll just leave it that way for whatever reason. Um, he did not pick up where he left off last year, but boy, he looked good the last time out. Um, he's, he's beaten some decent guys here down the stretch. Um, you know, going into the season, Taylor Venz was ranked um, pretty high. Um, he, he will do better than sixth place. He will wrestle, pardon me, he'll wrestle better than that. And um, I, since he's in the bottom half of the bracket at the sixth seed, um, it w- I expect to see Taylor Venz get to the finals. Um, he'll, he'll knock off the number four, then he'll knock off the number two, and I would expect to see him in the finals. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he's kind of like Chad Red as far as tournament time. Watch out. Um, but I don't know. I just don't understand these, these guys, how their ebbs and flows are so drastic. Um, you know, there for a while, I was I was preparing for Nathan Haas, true yeah. freshman, being the guy right here. Um, and, like, he, you know, he, he looked pretty impressive when he was in there, but he wasn't, you know, a top five guy in the Big Ten obviously. Um, well, but, Nathan yeah, Haas knocked off the guy who will be seated number four. So, What's that? Nathan Haas knocked off the guy that's going to be seated number four, Owen Webster. Right, in his first collegiate match, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 184 is crazy. Honestly, if you look at the, like, two seed through eight seed, I don't know how they seeded them because this guy's got a win over this guy who has a win over that guy who has a win – there's no, there's no clear cut, even number two or three seed, really. It's just, right. it's just uh, Aaron Brooks and then eight other guys that have an argument at it. Yeah. So it'll be fun to watch. There'll be a lot of good matches. 197, Nebraska's Eric Schultz is the number one seed. Um, Eric Schultz has wrestled well all year. He's undefeated. Uh, he's beaten the number three seed, and he's, you know, obvi- well, he hasn't been beaten by anybody. But the, the, the mystery at this class is going to be at one is going to be Miles Amin from Michigan. Everybody predicted that he was going to wrestle at 184 this year. And he's chosen to wrestle up at 197. Um, I've heard uh, some of the broadcasters say, well, he's going to, I can't remember the Olympic weights, but he's going to wrestle heavier than 184, you know, at the Olympics is his plan. Um, and um, he's already qualified. I can't remember what nation. Um, yeah, I can't remember either. It's uh, Sierra Leone or that might. No, no, I, I'd have to I'd have to look it up. But yeah, he's he's already qualified for the Olympics. Yeah. But I think here's what's in Reno, maybe or something like that. Yeah, I could see. Well, first of all, um, Warner and Amino wrestle should wrestle in the semifinals. But if Miles Amin does beat Jacob Warner and gets to the finals and, and meets up with Eric Schultz, assuming he's there, that could be a little problematic for Schultz because I think Amin is savvy enough and he understands, you know, the, the he, he's, well, I'll just say he's really savvy. I could see him slowing Eric Schultz down a lot and, you know, making it very difficult for, for him. Um, but I like Eric Schultz. I think, you know, he's, he's, he's earned the spot at number one, and, and I, would, I would hope that he'll bring back a gold medal uh, to Lincoln. Yeah, I think he's got the best shot at it. Um, 
obviously as a number one seed undefeated, he's got three wins over top 10 guys. Um, but like you said, Miles Amin sitting there and he's only got a couple matches in and you don't really know what he's about. I mean, but then he goes out and he pretty much destroyed Cam Caffey from Michigan, Michigan state. And that's, you know, he's a solid wrestler. I think Schultz only beat six, four. Um, so, so yeah, that's going to be a really tough matchup if that's the matchup in the finals, which I anticipate, but you never know if, you know, Jacob Warner is tough to score on. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, it'll be tough, but I see Schultz, you know, Schultz is going to have to hit with, you know, either Lucas Davison or Cam Caffey again. So, um, those are both, those are both really tough guys, but yeah, Schultz, I talked to him at that press conference yesterday and I asked him, I said, okay, so your number one seed, you know, do you ever need to, you know, when you go in the wrestling room, do you, you know, does Jordan Burroughs ever humble you up or what? <laughs> and he was just like, yep. He's like, as soon as I got ranked number one, I walked in the room and Jordan Burroughs said, uh, uh, you might be number one at 197 in the country, but you're number two in this room. <laughs> so yeah. he said, yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah. He, so he he gives him a lot of crap about it, but um, I'm sure also, you know, going against a guy like that in the room means Miles Amin ain't going to be nothing that he ain't, hasn't seen. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because, you know, Miles Amin is, he's, he's going to be quicker than a lot of 197 pounders that um, – you know, that Eric would have seen. And I know Jordan, I know Jordan uh, did a lot of work with Schultz in preparation when he was going to prepare for like uh, Dan Taylor and stuff this last winter. Yeah. So. Well, that takes us to the end up at 285. Um, you know, I, Gable Stevenson, other than Spencer Lee is the surest bet yeah. in my opinion to win his weight class. And Mason Paris, in all likelihood, unless something unforeseen that I couldn't even predict, he's going to be in the finals. And then you got Tony Cassiope from uh, Cassiope from uh, Iowa, who's going to be seated third. And then you got our boy. You got good old Christian Lance is seated fifth, and he should, in his second match, match up against the guy from uh, Illinois. Um, Luffman, Luke Luffman. And I'll tell you what, anybody that watched that match for heavyweights, holy smokes, those guys were flying around the mat in overtime, like, you know, 133 pounders. I, I couldn't believe um, what those guys laid out there uh, at the end of that match. And um, Kristen Lance is going to qualify for the NCAA wrestling tournament. I don't believe he can break into the top three, but um, I would expect that uh, I would expect that he could be fourth. Yeah, I think he could be fourth. The big, big wild card though is that Penn State guy, Greg Kirkfleet. I don't know if you know about that. Oh, it's he, I did. Uh, you know what? I missed him. Is he in there? They're yeah, wrestling. Yeah, he's seated, he's seated seventh, and he's going to hit with Paris in the quarters. Aha! Uh -huh. That's going to be a big one and Kirk Fleet could beat Paris. Well, it'd be tough. Kirk Fleet has, he's got quite a resume for, oh, and have, you, have you, Oh, I, I'd never really seen him wrestle until this last 
duel that they had, he does like he's built like he's a hundred and fifty seven pounder that's just six foot four. Yeah. He's, I mean that it's crazy that guy looks so athletic. We are in a gold we're at the beginning of a golden era of heavyweights. Right. Hundred um, percent. Because you got that Schultz kid that's down there at Arizona State that's a freshman, Colton Schultz. He's a good one. You got Kirk Bleat. You know, Gable Stevenson, you know, he's still a junior. Um, right. You know, we are in a golden era of heavyweights. 100%. I feel sorry for some of these other heavyweights that aren't these guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's kind of the weight by weight. Um, you know, it's, it's going to, you know, the fur is going to start flying on Saturday out at Penn State. And, um, you know, I'm really – I always get excited for the Big Ten tournament. And, the, you know, I was telling someone today that uh, a year, almost in two weeks, was when I, we were all getting fired up for the NCAA wrestling tournament. And uh, it's hard to believe that it's been a whole year since then almost. And um, yeah. I'm excited for the – I'm excited for this wrestling tournament. Big Ten Network's going to have a lot of coverage that's going to – they're going to have – wall-to-wall coverage of, of the wrestling yep. tournament. So. Yep. All the whole time. That's the first time it's ever happened. So I'm excited about that. That'll be, t- that'll be, that'll be nice. I'll, I know what I'm doing Saturday all day <laughs> and Sunday. There you go. So, but no, uh, also I wanted to bring up, I talked to Manning and he was like, we need a champion. He's like, we haven't had, he's like, we need to blow the dust off that stat. We haven't had a champion and they haven't had a champion since 2015, a conference title. And that one was Robert Kokish, and he's a coach now for Nebraska. So that just shows you how long it's been. Um, I mean, I, Nebraska has done really good as a team since then. They finished fourth, fourth, fifth, fifth, and second at Big Tens since then without having a single champion. So, I mean, that just shows – Nebraska usually has a really deep team, but they've kind of generally lacked that top shelf national championship contender. But I think that we have a two this year in Schultz and Labriola. You're predicting two champions? No, two guys that I think could get there. Could get there. You're not yeah. that bold? <laughs> I'll predict Schultz to win the title. How about that? Todd? I'm going to predict Schultz will win the title. I'm going to predict one hell of a match between Mikey Labriola and Michael Kemmerer. Here, I'll do one, John. I think that Labriola and Kemmerer are going to hit at Big Ten final and the NCAA final, and I think they'll split, but I don't know which one will be who. That's this Kimmer guy is an Iowan. Yeah. Well, then we're not for him. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. They're not. No. <laughs> right. I don't know why. But when I watch wrestling, I watch, I like Mikey Labrioli. There's just something about him. Uh, you know, if, if I was going to – if I had to go with the whole wrestling team into a back alley – Mm-hmm. Uh, I Labriola would be one guy that I'd say, yeah, he has to stay. Everybody else can go, and we'll take on the old whole Iowa wrestling team. Me and him, I'll probably have like I don't know a gun or machine gun or something. Anyway, but you know, that guy, I just I like the way he acts. I like the way he, you know, 
Yeah. Chad Red's fun for to for me to watch. I think he's energetic. He's bouncy. He's I said he's bouncy for God's sakes. <laughs> you know, as a guy that doesn't know much about wrestling and still shoots it or watches it and stuff, I, I like Chad Red. He's kind of I don't know. His personality is neat. He's pretty bouncy. You got to keep in mind that sometimes I'm looking at these guys from a different perspective. I, you know, I have a big ass lens on my camera and I see their whole face, you know, and their eyeballs when they're, when they're doing some of these events and you can realize, you know, the eyes are the, the gateway to the soul, gentlemen. (laughs) Mikey Labriola has the eyes of a killer. (laughs) Mikey Labriola wrestles with passion and he and he's tough and um it's it's and guess what nebraska is going to have him for two more years yeah oh wow i didn't know he's still that. only a junior all these all these are nebraska's really senior heavy team with a lot of senior talent you know i think five of our starters are seniors but yeah labriola is the only junior um but yeah he 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 might be the best guy on the team. Yeah. Chad Red has the eyes of a killer too, but he's a really nice killer. He's like a charming killer, like Ted Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever hear, uh, I wonder if these guys ever listen to this. You called me <laughs> Ted Bundy? Well, yes. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> yeah, he's also, yeah, they, he's probably the biggest 174 pounder you'll see too. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know how that guy makes that way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up moving up when Vins is gone, man. Yeah. Is there anything else about wrestling? Um, no. Okay. Here's what I want you both to do for the next time we do wrestling stuff. Okay. I want you to think about name, image, and likeness. And I want you to come up with very imaginative ways that the wrestling guys could sell themselves as a brand. And we'll, we'll oh, save so that for me, later. We'll so do I'm that as a segment. Yeah, this is like homework. Marketing you know, homework. And, okay. and it can't be a beer because the NCAA, you know, nobody would, everybody would go, oh, college players, they can't, you know, they can't do alcohol or drugs or thing. And you know what I mean? It has to be like, uh, I, I don't know. It's up to you guys. Yeah, but we'll do that in the in the not too right. distant future. We'll do we'll do it between the Big Tens and NCAA. Okay. All right. So, Todd, what else do we have since you're taking over? Oh, since I'm taking over? Yeah, since you're taking over. Well, you know, there are a few things. You know, um, John, you and I are are big baseball fans. Uh, we've got a little bit of bad news. Uh, as exciting as it is that the season's going to open up this weekend down in Texas. Um, we, uh, the, the baseball team lost its closer. Uh, Colby Gomez um, is going to be out for the season, the kid from Millard. Um, I think that's a setback. Um, it's unfortunate, and, and uh, hopefully they can find somebody else in the bullpen that's going to fill that role. Baseball starts this weekend in Round Rock, Texas, against Purdue. Purdue. Yeah. Well, boy. We'll pray for them that they don't catch no coronavirus. Of course, they can't because it don't exist. It doesn't exist in Texas. It's over. doesn't exist in Texas. I hope they don't catch any viruses of any kind. Uh, John, there's also something interesting. In Texas. <laughs> Electricity. 
<laughs> so, John, um, you paid pretty close attention the last few years to the basketball program, and I'm not much of a basketball fan, but I have followed enough to know some of the names and some of the stories. Nebraska um, had maybe its most convincing and most enjoyable victory earlier this week against Rutgers, and uh, that was on the same day when uh, the prolific scorer, Teddy Allen, announced that he was going to step away from the team. Um, I know that on social media, there have been some people that have been highly critical of that. Um, you know, there have been some unflattering comments made about Teddy Allen. Um, that's not uh, what came from official statements from Coach Hoiberg and, and other people associated with the basketball team. But um, talk to us about uh, Teddy Allen and, and how, um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, he, he remains kind of an enigma. I mean, Nebraska goes and he scores 41 points in a game. And if you watch that game, Teddy Allen in that game made some unbelievable, amazing plays to score some of his 41 points. But, you know, it was in a losing effort. Uh, they lost to Penn State 86 to 83. It was just, you know, the loss was disappointing because – well, they played pretty well. They just didn't pull it out at the end. Uh, but, you know, Teddy Allen, he's had a – he started at West Virginia. He transferred to Wichita State. He sat out a year. He never played for them because he got into it. He got arrested after something happened with his girlfriend. Uh, he went to Western Nebraska Community College where he was the JUCO leading scorer of the year, and then he came to Nebraska. So, you know, and now he's gone for Nebraska early. You have uh, you had four games left when he left the team, and apparently it's it's left the team, not dismissed from the team. But uh, he had you know Fred, Fred Hoiberg had mentioned that he had a wrist injury, and that it hurt. That's why he was a little bit uh, up and down in his scoring. Like he scored forty one, and then he barely he really didn't play against Minnesota very much, as Nebraska knocked off Minnesota for a win so they have two wins in a row it's a winning streak something we haven't seen in nebraska basketball for i don't know for a long time i mean in conference you know maybe we beat up some non-conference crud schools uh but the game against rutgers was you know it was phenomenal it was phenomenal because the offense it looked like it it looked like an unstoppable offense and I, I imagine there's somebody, if they hear this, will go, well, that's Rutgers. You know, Rutgers is a good basketball team. They're not – it's not their football program. They're a decent – they have a winning record, you know, and we beat the shit out of them. That was the thing, is they never were in the game at ever. And if you want to experience joy as a Nebraska fan, one of the things you can do is – is when our Nebraska basketball team beats opponents, and they will in the future much more than they do now, go to the opposing SB Nation site and look at their game thread. Because if you went through that Rutgers game thread, you would find horror. Well, not for me. I enjoyed the shit out of it. But they were horrified that they were losing to our crap basketball team, which honestly, if you're paying attention – what you saw against Rutgers against was them running an offense and them running an offense that uh, was full of cutting and passing and moving the ball. And 
if that's the offense that they can run with the players they have, they're going to win a lot of games in the future. It's like they're finally pulling it together. And unfortunately, Teddy Allen doesn't get to be part of that. Well, let Um, me ask you this, John, and I'm not trying to stir up trouble here, but could the Nebraska team, were they able to run that same kind of offense and play that same style of game with Teddy Allen on the floor? Or There were times, I think that the thing – you and I have talked about baseball and how baseball, every baseball team out there needs a guy that's gritty, tough, and just kind of a son of a bitch. Because when the team gets down, that's the guy that has to pull everybody out of the ground and say, we're going to get our asses in gear and get out of slumps and win games. And I think Teddy Allen was kind of an enigma in that way too, where Nebraska would go on these long scoring droughts and they needed a guy like Teddy Allen who was going to, you know, he did hero ball sometimes where he hogged the ball and he took the shots and sometimes he took shitty shots. I, that's kind of everybody on the Nebraska basketball team a lot. I mean, you've seen an offense that's been fairly good at times, again, exemplary against Rutgers, but they make some really terrible offensive decisions sometimes. And, you know, I think sometimes that's just basketball, but uh, Teddy Allen was, he was this guy. Sometimes he hogged the ball way too much. When he started assisting with the ball, he was phenomenal. All right? So what you try to do with a guy is get him to the point that he recognizes when do you assist and when do you not assist. I mean, you look at Shamil Stevenson. He has this tendency to take the ball, be a big guy, and just fullback his way into the lane and plow guys over. And he always gets card for charging. Now, if he can learn to not – just lower his shoulder and mash into a guy or pass the ball off, he's going to be phenomenal. And he's played well at times that every once in a while you just go, well, there's Shamil. I mean, shit, if he, if you're going to hit Marcus Carr from Minnesota in the lane, hit him so he doesn't come back. John, you know, I know that's not basketball, but, but it, come on. It is. Pitting in there. You guys had to have seen the viral tweet out there about of this game in Russia they're playing now where there are two teams <laughs> on the basketball floor. It looks like about 10 guys per team wearing wrestling singlets with a basketball. There's no dribbling. It's the same type of goal. You put the ball through the basket, but you don't dribble it down the floor. And, I mean, there are these guys throwing each other you know, away from the ball. And once the guy starts going into the lane, it's just like this mass wrestling match right there in the middle of the floor. I don't even know what they call it, but it fits into that Russian persona, you know, of the tough guy Russian, uh, you know, I'm going to throw you out on the ground, you know, and, and it's just, it was the craziest looking thing I think I've ever seen. And it's legit. It's not just 20 guys that they slap singlets on and say, go wrestle on the basketball court. Todd, I believe we used to call that um, kill the man with the ball. Okay. <laughs> we called it something different that we don't say anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't a basketball. We played something we called red dog in my high school. That's what it was called. When we had our break for lunch break, we called red dog basketball. And it was uh, there was downfield blocking and it was – you know, there was usually 10 guys on a team in the whole basketball court full of people. And we just beat the shit out of each other. And the teachers didn't say anything. And, uh, you know, it's red dog, red dog, basketball. And that's, uh, that's what we did. You know, it was just a beating. 
And I, I could stand that kind of basketball because uh, I, I can't play basketball. Otherwise, you were on the bench because you fouled out. And, yeah. Well, hey, there's one other thing I, I, I'd like to bring up. And, you know, I guess, Dylan, I'm, are you a native Nebraskan? Did you grow up in Nebraska, Dylan? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think you guys, you know, Nebraska fans and Nebraskans, I think all uh, – took a step back this week um, with the unfortunate news of the passing of, of Andy Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And um, I would venture to say in probably 46, 47 other states in our country, a man of Andy Hoffman's stature, um, his death probably would go by without a whole lot of people noticing. Um, I read a headline someplace and it said, Andy Hoffman was an ordinary guy doing extraordinary things. And I think that that really epitomizes um, why Nebraskans rallied around his son, Jack, and rallied around that family. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, a couple of things, uh, you know, life is this, this, you know, delicate dance sometimes. And, you know, the tragedy that the family went through with young Jack and, um, you know, him having cancer at a very young age, uh, the uh, Nebraska athletic program kind of taking him under the wing, uh, under its wing, the football program, you know, most Nebraskans uh, will always remark that one of the greatest things they ever saw on the field at Memorial Stadium was Jack Hoffman in the spring game with Taylor Martinez you know, being his lead blocker down the field, um, a very fond memory. And, you know, it sounds like Jack um, is in remission. And I think uh, if I'm not correct, or if I'm not, uh, I think he played football this year um, at, at his high school. And uh, then lo and behold, seven months ago, uh, the state of Nebraska found out that his dad, Andy Hoffman, had uh, brain cancer in essence and uh, fought a valiant fight. Um, and, and then just passed. And I think the one thing that I want to say, and then you two guys, you guys grew up in the state and I'm just an interloper. Um, but I, I think what is, what's really unique and interesting about this is how the state of Nebraska identifies with an ordinary guy whose son happened to love the football team. And, you know, it's, it's an extension of that, Nebraska nice, and I know people hate hearing that, but it's an extension of the character of the state of Nebraska and the character of Nebraskans, that they all um, surrounded that family with love and support. So uh, rest in peace, Andy Hoffman, and, and uh, uh, a lot of people are going to have some very fond memories about that family. But John, Dylan, you guys um, have, have you grew up in the state. Yeah, I'll say, um, you know, like you said, a lot of states, this wouldn't happen. Um, you know, I think, and this isn't just a Nebraska, exclusive to Nebraskans, obviously, but a lot of people have been touched by cancer, you know, have either had it or known somebody that has it or lost somebody to it. And it's, you know, it's tough. And I remember actually back when that, um, that spring game happened with Jack Hoffman. 
Uh, I was here at Columbus Telegram and I wrote a, uh, I wrote a column about that. I thought that was the greatest, greatest moment in the history of Husker football. Um, and I really did because, you know, the way that that team took that kid under their wing and you, I mean, honestly, they could, they possibly save that kid's life. Just make, you know, I mean, the positivity you get from being able to go in and, you know, Rex Burkhead's uh, friendship with him, um, his, obviously his dad, uh, Andy was just an amazing man. Every interview I ever saw with him, he was always positive. Um, I mean, I have a five-year-old and I couldn't imagine getting that kind of news about, you know, brain cancer. So I commend that whole family for everything they've, all the fight that they've put out and, you know, obviously it's not done yet, but um, yeah, it's a sad day uh, losing, losing him. So yeah, rest in peace, Andy. And yeah, it's sad. I'll give it to you, John. That uh, Jack Hoffman run was kind of, it showed that Bo Pelini actually had a, a really unbelievably beautiful side to him that unfortunately didn't come out a, a whole lot, but you know, right. probably the dichotomy of a, of a person as passionate and as strong a personality as Bo Pelini have to have both the explosive side and the, and the, and the, the Hoffman side. But I guess the only thing I'd say about uh, the Hoffmans is boy, two people in your family with uh, brain cancer, uh, that is really life shows how cruel life can be. And 42 is way too young to go. And uh, I think that's about it. I, you know, I guess you kind of get dragged down by some of the cynicism and the losing, you know, and how people can get so angry about uh, surrounding Nebraska football, but uh, you know, doing that stuff with his life, it's inspiring, and uh, I guess it shows the good side of what we can do together when we want to be good together. So rest in peace, Andy Hoffman, and uh, Godspeed. And I, it, it, oh, you can wrap it up, Todd. You're in charge. Well, I tell you what, I I was just going to say, John, let's wrap it up, and um... I have your permission. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seeing as how well, liberals are running the country now, um, yes, I'll I'll go ahead and give that to you. Thank you, our new overlord, Todd. Yeah, you're outnumbered here, John. <laughs> oh my God! Great, the commies are taking over. This is John Johnston, kind of pretending to be in charge of the Five Heart Podcast. That's our show for this week, and uh, remember, Five Hearts is the only heart you need. Todd? Thank you very much, John. Go Big Red. You want to add anything, Dylan? A call Thanks. sign? Thanks, guys. The dude abides. <laughs> there you go. The dude abides, man.